James 5, 13, are any of you suffering hardships? Nobody? <laughs> this is a question for the word of the Lord. Are any of you suffering hardships? Hardships come in a lot of shapes, sizes. Amen. It's like walking down the aisle at um, Walmart or H-E-B or wherever you do your grocery shopping. How many different brands of cornflakes are there? A lot. And the boxes are all different shapes, sizes, colors, weights, and prices, but they keep going up. Amen. Hardships come in all sorts of boxes. We got the zoom on the screen. There we go. Amen. Are any of you suffering hardships? One more time. Yes. Praise God. Guess what you should do? You should pray. Amen. James sounds so kind of matter of fact about it, right? This is like going to the doctor and say, doctor hurts when I do that. And the doctor says, oh, come on. You don't know the old joke. Don't do that. Amen. <laughs> It seems straightforward. It seems almost offhand, almost flippant, what James says. But guys, it's truth. I said it's truth. This will solve your problems. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Amen. Are any of you happy? I hope somebody says amen to happy. Praise God. And you should sing some praises. Are any of you sick? Amen. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest, say earnest. Now say earnest, earnestly. Sometimes we just say earnest. No, say earnest. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and earth began to yield its crops. Can you say amen? God bless you as you're seated. Amen. Ah, earnestness, prayer, reaching out to God. These are things that I think we take for granted sometimes because we're so used to it. But it matters, and it changes things. It changes lives. It changes 
situations. If you're earnest about something, it changes the way you go about things. If something doesn't matter to you and me, we're probably going to give it the attention it deserves, as we like to say. Amen. Come on. Am I the only one that does that? If our heart's not in it, we're just kind of going to go through the motions, most likely. But if it matters to us, it's going to make a difference to us. Amen. If it matters to you, you'll go the extra mile. I was thinking about this this week. There are things that people do in this house of God that nobody seems to see sometimes, but they do it because it matters. And I want to thank Sister Marie. I want to thank the Battle family and others who come in routinely and clean this house of God so that we have a wonderful place to worship. Amen. Sister Marie, do you ever have anything else to do on a Saturday? Battle family, do you ever have anything else to do on a Friday night? Yeah. But you know what? They come into this house because it matters to them. Amen. I'm not just calling them out. I just felt I needed to say this. It matters enough to Brother Alfred that this house of God be blessed, that even when the AC wasn't running and it was, how hot was it that day? 85 degrees and hot and humid. He was in here working on that lady's restroom, trying to fix the water leak because it matters. Amen. If it didn't matter, you'd have been somewhere cooler, wouldn't it? <laughs> but when it matters to us, it changes how we approach things. And when things matter in our lives, it should change how we approach God about those things. The thing and I talked for long time last Sunday. Brother Finger, it's been on my heart all week. Amen. And God got a hold of some thoughts in my mind. And uh, I'm, this is part of what I'm going to talk to you about. But how many have ever seen a sign like this? Nobody else? Oh, yeah. You say, okay, okay. My wife and I went up to uh, a tractor supply shop in Helotus. There's some really cool shops in the middle of nowhere in Helotus, if you haven't been up there. It's worth going up. Amen. Uh, we were driving and trying to get to the tractor shop. We drove by a school, and the school on its marquee, it had three words. Pray for rain. We see these signs all the time, don't we? You go on the internet, pray for rain. Pray for rain. Drive through town. Pray for rain. How many times have you seen somebody standing beside that sign praying? I've never seen anybody standing around the sign praying. But it makes a good slogan, especially when the ground is dried and cracked and like this one. Pray for rain. Sometimes it's easier for us to ask others to pray than it is for us to pray ourselves. Because if you can pray me out of my situation, then I won't have to pray myself 
out of the situation. If it matters to you and me, we're going to be praying. Now, don't get me wrong. I want your prayers too. You should want everyone else's prayers as well. But don't punt your responsibility with God and say, oh, pray for me. And then the church is praying 24-hour prayer chain. And I've heard people say, call up a 24-hour prayer chain. We need God. I need God. It's good. What are you doing while the church is praying? Well, I'm busy. Praise God. Amen. I'm preaching human nature here. We all do this, right? Oh, Brother Ray, pray for me, man. Pray for me. Good. He's over there praying for me. Got other stuff to do. Amen. Questions from God. Are any of you suffering hardships? Sit around and moan and groan about it, please, because we all like to moan and groan about our hardships. Don't tell me we don't. We all like to moan and groan about our hardships. Amen. At work, what do people talk to each other about? Their hardships. At family gatherings, what do we talk about? Our hardships. And sometimes it's a competition. Well, man, my back hurts. Oh, my knee hurts. Yeah. There you go. Always one better. (laughs) We like to moan and groan about our situation. But friend, if we were serious about changing our situation, instead of moaning and groaning about it, we would do something about it. Need I remind you of the prodigal son? One of my favorite, 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 favorite of all favorite parables that Jesus ever gave. It covers so many aspects. It's so nuanced and so layered in in human nature and God's nature and interaction between us. It's amazing. But Jesus very clearly gave this parable. He talked about the younger son, entitled, spoiled, say everything you want to about him, all the bad you want to about him. But be careful because we're describing ourselves. Amen. That young man took his inheritance, went away to a far land, spent it on wild, riotous living. And then what happened? The economy created just like it's doing under Mr. Biden. God bless you. Amen. Pray for our leaders. Seriously, pray for our leaders. Our leaders are running our economy into the ground right now. We need the grace of God to help turn this economy around. Amen. And this man went from life of the party, big man on campus, friends with everybody, till he had no money. None of that alcohol parties that you were talking about with a finger. And all of a sudden, he found himself alone, destitute, depressed, starving to death. He finally found a job. Yeah. You think working at McDonald's is bad? Complain about that? I couldn't, would never work at McDonald's. I'm a Burger King guy. I did it. Amen. I'd never work in fast food. You will if you're hungry enough. Amen. I said, you will if you're hungry enough. You'll do things you never thought you would do before. If you're hungry enough, this young man got hungry enough that he got a job feeding the hogs. 
Anyone ever fed hogs? You have? My wife has. I haven't. You have? Is it? Got this white tablecloth set out on a nice table and silverware and dishes, and they sit down and they put on a bib. And is that how hogs eat? Oh, no. Do they eat the best of the best? You get the slop in the bucket. Anyone ever seen a slop bucket? Uh, no, 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 no. It's all the junk and garbage you can imagine in the slop bucket. Am I right, Sister Ian? Does it smell good? Mm, no. And you just kind of dump it out and they, <laughs> yeah, not a pretty sight. And yet this young man was so hungry that he wanted to eat the slop. Pretty desperate. Talk about writing the country song. Out of all your troubles. Oh. But Jesus said, one day this young man came to his senses. I love that phrase. He came to his senses. Friend, we live sometimes in a state of temporary insanity. I'm not talking psychologically. I'm talking spiritually. We let our minds get so distracted and caught up in whatever we're going through. We get into this spiral of darkness and depression and sadness and suffering. And all we do is sit in the pit pen in the midst of the slop. And wish we had something better. This young man came to his senses, Jesus said. And he began to talk to himself. Is it okay to talk to yourself? I hope so, because we all do it. As they say, when you start answering yourself, you got a problem. There you go. <laughs> this young man began to talk to himself. And he began to rationalize his situation. He said, you know what? We don't know his name. What do we call him? Pardon? Give him a name. What? Jared? No, 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 not Jared. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. He talked to himself. Jerry, man, what are you doing? When you lived at your father's house, where you grew up, come on, Jerry. We talk to ourselves sometimes, right? Yeah. Come on, Jerry. What are we? What? Remember where you got up every morning and breakfast was ready. You didn't even have to worry about it. And lunch was served. Servants there, they made it for you. It was there. Dinner time was a wonderful time. You had clothes. You had your room. You had the house. You had everything you needed. And then you stupid Jerry, what did you do? Got yourself into this mess, and now you're sitting in a pig pen, and it's disgusting, and you're starving to death, and even the servants at your father's house eat better than you do. So what are you going to do about it, Jerry? Keep sitting in the pig pen and feeling sorry for yourself? No. Come on, Jerry. Get yourself out of this mess. Come on. Stand up, man. Ever talk to yourself like that? Come on, get up, stand up, do something about your situation. I am going to get up. I am going to go home. I am going to man up and look my dad in the eye and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
And dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. But if you'll just forgive me and accept me into your household, I'll be a servant. I don't even ask to be your son anymore. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Just, just let me be a servant. Oh, my friend, if this world only knew what they were missing in this house of God right now, the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak in the house of God has it so much better than what this world has out there. Amen. I pray that this world wakes up and realizes the blessings of just being part of the family of God. Amen. Come on, Jerry. Tell your dad, I'm sorry. And I just want to be a servant. And you know what? We rehearse these things in our mind, don't we? And sometimes we rehearse it to the man in the mirror. But it's one thing when you're saying it to yourself and then actually getting up and doing something about it. But Jesus said this young man got up and this young man made his way home. And oh, praise God. Guess who was waiting for him? His father had not forgotten about him. He was waiting. You know the story. He saw him. He ran to him. He embraced him. Friend, that, that picture is so vivid in my mind because that young man had been sitting in the slop and in the mud and gunk of the pig pen. And he didn't have a place to shower before he got home. And yet his dad embraced him in all of his misery. And I thank God for the many times that my God has embraced me in all of my misery. Hallelujah. And he cries over us and he says, welcome home, my child. Brother Finger, you talked to me last Sunday about changing the weather, didn't you? That young man changed his weather. That young man changed his situation. He didn't hang out a sign saying, oh, pray that my situation change. He started praying himself. Amen. He said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to change my situation. Amen. And I'm not here to preach to you some feel-good, power-positive thinking kind of mess that this world likes to throw at us. I'm here to tell you that God didn't say think positive and things are going to get better. He said, if you're suffering hardship, what are you supposed to do? Come on, somebody. If you're suffering hardship, you should pray. It's really that simple. Because when you start to pray, you can change your weather situation. Amen. Instead of hoping and praying that someday it might rain, you get busy with God and you say, Lord, this hardship that I'm going through, I'm tired of going through it. Amen. I'm tired of going through it. And I won't my weather to change. God has changed weather more than once in the scriptures. Hear of a man named Noah? Had it ever rained before the flood? What came up from the ground every morning? The dew. 
There'd been no rain. Never seen rain, to our knowledge. But God made it rain. God is able to change not just weather, but climate as well. What's the difference between climate and weather? Somebody, anybody? What's the difference between climate and weather? Weather is temporary. Climate is the permanent situation. Climate patterns. I'm not going to get into politics and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, folks, man is so arrogant. They think that they can change climates. You might change some weather, but you're not going to change climate. Because my God created climate. Amen. And you see these storage units say climate controlled. We don't control any climate. God controls climate. We may affect some weather sometimes, but we're not affecting climate. Climate is the way God made us, this world, and the weather patterns. Weather is the temporary thing that happens. What happened in February of 2020? Snowpocalypse! Have you seen snow since in San Antonio? Well, wasn't that cool to see? I was driving the other day, and my the images started flooding back into my brain of driving down Grissom Road, and there was no Grissom Road. It was just a sea of snow, and no one else had driven. I took Tyler to work, and I came back, and I was the first one through there after that snowpocalypse. There were no tracks on the ground. I was praying, Lord, help this armada to get through this snow. That was weather. Has it snowed again since? No. Wouldn't it be nice right now to have some snow? Even a little rain, anything, something, Lord. But the climate patterns, La Nina, El Nino, and whatever else in between, they affect weather. Elijah was a man just like you and me. James says it. He was one of the most impressive prophets in the scriptures. Would you say amen to that? Tremendous man. I mean, would you call down fire from heaven? Would you have the guts to pray that prayer? Come on, be honest with me. Anyone here have the guts to pray that God bring down fire right now and burn up that cushion? If you do, let me know because I want to step back. Praise God. That man had power in his prayers. But James says he was a man just like you and me, human to the core. No differentiator in his DNA from you and me, human being. And yet, he says in verse 17, he was as human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Now, maybe I'm missing something, but has anyone found yet in the scriptures a description of that prayer? First Kings 17 just says, now there was a man, Elisha the Tishbite, blah, 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 who showed up at the king's house and said, hey, king, nice to meet you. 
count it from here until I say so. It's not going to rain. Not just rain. What was that stuff that came up from the ground? Dew. He said, no rain and no dew. Nada. Until who says so? Until I say so. Hold on. You look at me kind of strange. First Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, that was that Ahab guy again, amen. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. You know what we end up doing half the time or more than half? Until the Lord gives the word. We put the blame on God. Now, I assume God told Elijah to pray that prayer. But has anyone found in the scriptures where God told Elijah to pray that prayer? Maybe I'm going out on a limb here. Sometimes God tells the prophets, go do this. Other times the prophets see the need. And maybe, just maybe, Elijah took it on himself to pray a prayer. I'm just saying. I don't see anywhere it says God told Elijah to pray this prayer. He just shows up one day out of nowhere in 1 Kings 17. Oh, King Ahab, pleased to meet you. I'm here to tell you that for the next few years, no rain until I give the word. Talk about somebody getting serious about changing the weather. Amen. And Elijah was as human as you and me. Again, he wasn't some superhuman. He just got tired of what was going on. And he said, let's make a, let's, let's change some stuff around here, shall we? I wish they had recorded his prayer. It doesn't even record his prayer. But James says he prayed, so I believe he prayed. And he said, God, close these heavens. And by the way, don't just close the heavens. Shut off the spigot down here too. No dew, no rain, everything. Turn it off, Lord. And the Lord turned off the dew and the rain for three and a half years. Oh, that can't happen. Oh, yeah, it does. It did. Amen. And James says, your prayer is just as powerful as Elijah's prayer. You know why we don't stop the rain from happening? Because we don't really pray for that to happen. Mm, Well, I prayed for rain. We've all prayed for rain. Yeah. 
But I wonder how earnestly we prayed for rain. Oh, God, my grass is dying. Let it rain, Lord. And then we go out and we turn on the faucet and we water the grass. Amen. Am I right? You know why we're not all that earnest about praying for rain? Because saws answers our prayers every time we turn on that faucet. Uh-oh. Yeah, you heard me. Saws turns on the rain water. So I don't have to be all that earnest with God because I've always got a backup plan. Yeah, I'll complain about the water bill afterwards, of course. We like to complain, don't we? Oh, we love to complain. But we don't have to pray all that earnestly because we know the sauce is always going to answer our prayers. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. But if there were no saws, if there were no water system, if there were, if all you had was rain and dew, it would change how you prayed about rain. Now, it does record how Elijah prayed for rain to start up again. I don't know which was harder, to pray and believe that it would stop raining or to pray that it would start up again. Because after three and a half years, that place was in trouble. Talk about drought. It was miserable. People were dying. It was so bad. And sometimes our situation gets so entrenched. I think it takes more prayers to start the rain up again than to stop it from falling in the first place. Because it's like, okay, Lord, this is never going to end now. What have I done? But if you truly want to change the weather, you start praying. Amen. If you want to change your situation, start praying. Do what God said. It really is that simple. Are any of you suffering hardships? Then you should pray. Well, that's too easy. We pray all the time. I hope we pray all the time. I hope you have a mindset of prayer. I hope you talk to the Lord on and off throughout the day. Amen. I hope when you come to this house, you're in prayer. I hope before you come to the house, you're in prayer. But you know what? Having a mindset of prayer is different from getting a hold of God and saying, okay, Lord, I've been talking about a lot of things, but now here is a problem, a hardship that I need you to turn around for me. I haven't been in my job long enough to establish a real close relationship with my boss. He's been super busy, so he just kind of gives me free reign, and I talk to him when I can. I've learned the value in these five weeks I've been there, believe it or not. Wow. I only get about half an hour at a time with my boss. And by the time I get to the half hour, I've got two and a half hours worth of stuff to talk about. But he's only got a certain amount of time. So you know what I do? I prioritize. Got my list of stuff. I need to talk to Peter about this and this and this and this, this and this. But I'm not going to have time. So what do I put at the top of my list? 
the things that matter the most. Amen. Come on, simple stuff, right? But I know I'm not going to have time to cover it all. But I want to talk about the things that matter the most. And so I have my list ready. And when it's time to talk to my boss, hey, man, how are you doing? Great. What's on your list? I wish you'd thank, thank you. I thought you'd never ask. Amen. Here we go. And I start going down the list of things that I need help with, things I need a decision made on, things I'm concerned about. And I start with the things that matter the most. How many times have you and I wandered into a prayer session? Amen. And we talk about everything that's going on in our lives, and that's good because God loves talking about everything he does. I'm serious. He loves talking to us about everything going on in our lives. But you know what? At some point, if you are suffering a hardship, you need to tell God, excuse me, Lord, before I go any further, I need to change the weather in my life. I've got a drought going on in my life, Lord. I've got a lot of other things that I need to talk about, but I need to talk to you about my hardship. Now, he didn't say the prayer of a righteous man. He said the fervent in the old King James and the New Living Translation, the earnest prayer of a righteous person. How many of raised kids and grandkids, maybe? Maybe great-grandkids. Sister Virginia, can you tell when your kids really, really want something versus they're just, eh, it'd be nice to have? They think they got you fooled, right? But we learn to understand when they really, really want something. Am I right? They come to you, and their body language is different, right? And the tone of their voice is different, am I right? And there's, there's excitement. It's not just, hey, I'd like this, please. I would love to have this. Amen. Parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, we ain't dumb. We figure things out pretty quick. And we can tell. When the kid, the child, really wants something or maybe even really needs something versus, oh, this would be cool to have. You know what? I could pray all day long for that Corvette. Lord, it would be cool to have a Corvette. I couldn't get in and out of it, but still be cool to have that Corvette. And if I were silly enough to pray to God, Lord, give me a Corvette, he would see right through my prayer just like that. Because I'm not really that passionate about having a Corvette. It's just something that would be cool to have. Amen, Brother Battle? Would you like a Corvette someday? <laughs> Sister Rosie would like the Corvette. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> it would be nice to have. But you know what? I don't really need the Corvette. But if my car is broken down and I can't get to work, can't get to the store, then my prayer changes a little bit. It's like, Lord, remember all that 
yammering about the Corvette. Put that aside. I'm right. I wasn't really serious about that, but I am serious about my car that won't start. And God, I can't get to work without this car. And God, I can't get to the doctor. I can't get to HEB. I can't do anything without a car. God, I need some help with my car. And God can feel a difference in how earnest we are about what we need versus what we want. Can't tell me you're going to manufacture that earnestness about a Corvette. Not with a straight face, at least. I can make up all sorts of crazy arguments, God, why I would need that Corvette. And God's going to tell me the exact same thing I told my kids all their lives. What was the question I always asked? Do you, you need it or do you want it? I know they got tired of hearing me say that, but you know what? God wants to hear from us. Do you need it or do you want it? And if you need it, there should be a difference in how you pray about your situation because the fervent, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has wonderful power. It accomplishes wonderful things, the scripture says. If you want to change your weather today. You can do that. I'm not talking about going outside and praying for rain. If you have that faith, God bless you. Amen. We need it. But do we really need it to rain in San Antonio? You and me, that is. Seriously? I mean, it affects everything, right? And our farmers, yes. I believe farmers know how to pray for rain a whole lot more effectively than we do. But just let me be, just be, be honest with me. We gripe about it not raining, but does it change your life, Brother Ray, because it didn't rain? Mr. Blanca, change your life? Gives us something to gripe about, right? <gasps> it's the hottest summer I want to record. <gasps> oh, we need rain. Have rain. But it doesn't change our lives. But when something does change our lives, if you get a cancer diagnosis, I guarantee you, you're going to start praying a little differently about that problem than about it not raining in San Antonio. Amen? Come on, am I right? If you have a house that's about to be foreclosed on, you've got a notice in the mail, we're going to take your house away. That's a whole different prayer than, oh, Lord, I would like to have a vacation sometime. Amen. Oh, I prayed for vacation sometimes. I convinced myself I need a vacation sometimes. But I can't, with a straight face, go to God with the same earnestness about a vacation that I would if I were about to lose my house. I guarantee you I'd be praying some sweat, blood, and tears about losing a house. God can tell when we mean what we're saying. And when we get earnest about our prayer, suddenly the weather can begin to change around us. Hallelujah. You know, I would like to imagine, I'm about done, but I just, I like to imagine some things. And I would like to imagine that when Elijah went up to King Ahab that day and told him, was it going to rain? I would like to imagine that it was raining when he walked into the palace. 
Hey, Ahab, see that rain out there? Watch this. And it stopped raining. You think that was a fluke? Uh-huh. Come back next week. Ask me if it was a fluke. Come back next month. How about next year? I'm serious about it, Sahab. It's not going to rain. I don't care what AccuWeather says. I don't want to care what Ken's weather says. I don't care. It's not going to rain. You know why it's not going to rain? Because I prayed and I changed the weather. Three and a half years later. Okay, Ahab. Now that we cleaned up this whole bail thing, I just called fire down from heaven, by the way. Ahab. I hear the sound of what? Of abundance of rain. Hallelujah. Did he see the rain yet? No. He just said, okay, man, you know what? I've made up my mind. Now is the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss where God told Elijah it's time to pray for rain? Did I miss it in there somewhere? I don't see God saying, okay. Three and a half years done, pray. I see Elijah saying, time to change the rain. King, I hear the sound of an abundance rain. You crazy old prophet. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Thanks to you. I know. But you know what? With the same earnestness that I prayed for it to stop, now I'm going to pray for it to start. And I believe that you better get in your chariot and start racing your way to your palace because it's about to start raining. And then the scripture shows us how he takes his servant to the top of the mountain. And it says he bowed low to the ground. I'll do that, but my knees won't support it. Amen. He put his head in between his knees. He just buried himself on the ground. He began to pray. And what did he pray? Oh, Lord, the political situation is crazy. Lord, help. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm here to, no. What was I going to pray? Oh, I need to talk to you about some rain, Lord, but you know, uh, Prices of gas keep going up, Lord. And no, friend, he didn't get distracted in his prayers. He went with one thought in mind I'm going to change the weather. And he began to pray earnestly. What does earnestly mean, quickly? Fervent, fervent, earnest. What does it mean? What'd you say? Heartfelt, I like that. What else? So it's heartfelt. Intense, yes. What else? Determined, yeah. Emotional, your heart's in this, yes. I'm not just saying words, God. And this isn't something that it would be nice to have on Christmas morning. God, I need this to happen now. 
for a lot of reasons, God. Let me tell you the reasons. I think Elijah began to describe how tried the ground was. I don't think he just repeated 40 times, Lord, bring the rain, Lord, bring the rain, Lord, bring the rain. Jesus said the Gentiles believe that through your vain repetitions, you get God's attention. No, you don't get God's attention by saying, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. That's what your two-year-old does in the candy aisle. I want candy, I want candy, I want candy. Am I right? Amen. Don't throw a tantrum with God. Pray. Pray earnestly. And begin to describe the reason why you need to see the weather change. God, I know there was a reason it accomplished its purpose, but God, this is horrible. Look at how dry the ground is. There is no greenery anywhere. The cattle are all dying. The livestock, they're all dead. God, people are are dying of starvation. I believe he started describing the horrors of the situation. God, I'm not just here to make a name for myself, but Lord, there's a reason reason why this weather needs to change. And God, I need you to hear me, Lord. I know you heard me three and a half years ago, but I need you to hear me again. And this time, let it stand. Elijah prayed. He prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. And the weather didn't change. The servants look at him like, okay, what now? What are you doing standing there? Go over there to the edge of the mountain, look over the ocean, and tell me if you see any clouds. Nope, nothing there. He's probably thinking, prophet's lost it now. Okay, hold that thought. And he bows to the ground again, and he prays again. And he prays as earnestly and as fervently the second time as he prayed first time. Sometimes it's easy to get fervent the first time we pray. But then when it's time the second time, It's hard to build up that same emotion sometimes. Am I right? Come on. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about? Because the dam burst the first time. The tears rolled down our faces the first time. Our hearts poured out the first time. But now it's like, but I've already said those words. Jesus said there was a judge, an unjust judge. And there was a lady who needed the judge to answer her. What did she do? She went and beat on his door until he answered her and she poured out her case before him and he said, denied and slammed the door on her. And so she went home and gave up, right? She said, I'm going to change my weather. I don't care what this judge is telling me. I am going to change my weather. I'm not going to hang up a sign for my neighbor saying, pray for that judge. No. I'm going to go and I'm going to knock on his door again until he answers me again. 
And when he opens the door, I'm going to say, hi, judge, it's me again. And now let me tell you again why I'm here. And I think she went through the whole litany again. And the judge says, denied, slammed the door. Okay, God, I've been in two services now, and I still haven't gotten an answer, so it's just not going to happen. Right? No. I'm going back to the judge. I'm going back to the judge. I'm going to change this weather. One way or another, something's going to happen. And she knocked on the door again the next day. And the judge opens the door again. And I think she went through the whole spiel again. I don't think she said, Brother Ray, remember what I told you yesterday? I'm still asking. No, let me tell you why I'm here, sir. And she went through the whole list again. How many days did she do that, Jesus said? Enough days until the judge got sick and tired of her knocking on the door. And every time he opened the door, it's the same litany all over again. I mean, if she just said, remember what I talked about? Slam the door. No. Let me tell you why I'm here. No, don't close that door. No, don't close that door, sir. Let me tell you again. And he got so tired of hearing the same thing over and over. Friend, when we pray, we sometimes get to that point where the dam breaks and our hearts are poured out and we feel like, okay, we touched God. Now it's got to happen. And it doesn't happen. And we get discouraged and we stop praying. Or we come back the next time. It's like, Lord, remember what I talked to you about? Still a problem. No, no, no. You want to change the weather? Talk to the judge again. Amen. Tell him the same thing again. Over and over with the same emotion or more if possible. I know you're standing. But a woman came to Jesus one day and said, can you heal my daughter? Jesus might as well have slapped her in the face. Why are you bothering me, woman? You're not a Jew. Salvation is for the Jews. I'm here to minister to the house of the Jews. Is it right that I should take the food for the children and give it to the dogs? Jesus might as well have slapped her in the face. But you know what? She was determined to change the work. Amen. And she came back with one of the most tremendous rebuttals of prayer that anyone has ever prayed. And she said, Lord, you're right. I don't deserve this. But even the dogs are entitled to the scraps that fall from the table. And I'm not asking you to treat me like you treat everybody else. But I'm not going away until I get some scraps. Amen. If all I get is scraps, so be it. But I'm getting something from you today, Lord. I'm going to change the weather. I'm going to change the weather. Jesus said, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel.
your prayers answered. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, we need to change some weather around here. Amen. Whatever you're struggling with, stop blaming God. Stop blaming your family, circumstances, whatever else, friend. You have the ability to change the weather of your situation. And while you need to have others pray for you, yes, if any was sick among you, let them do what? Call for the elders of the church to anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith will do what? Will what? Will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well, raise you up. When it comes to sickness, there are times when you need to call for the elders of the church and not wait for me to say, hey, are you sick? Come on up. Let's pray for you. Where's your faith? If you want to be healed, make up your mind to change the weather. Call for the elders of the church. Amen. Praise God. There's a whole other study about if they have sins, they'll be forgiven them. But let me tell you, I believe that some sicknesses can be caused by sin. Amen. Sickness of the body and sickness of the mind can be caused by sin. And I believe that if you call for prayer because you want to change the weather in your life, what God is saying is, I'm not just going to take care of the physical problem. I'm going to take care of the spiritual problem as well. Amen. We're going to do this. And I'm not just going to heal you. He said, I'm going to make you well. Oh, thank God for the promise of wellness, not just healing. Healing is important. But wellness is so much more valuable. Hallelujah. You can have wellness today if you stop putting up a sign that says pray for rain and start praying for rain. Amen. What do you need from God today? You going through that trouble? Anyone afflicted? Anyone have some, some troubles in your life? Amen. Suffering hardships? Then pray. Amen. Before you leave today, you should pray. I'll go home and pray about it. It's already late. Pastor's going way over. Ah, you know what? If you're serious about changing the weather, pray. Now is the time to pray. Are you happy? Don't save your praises for some other time. You should sing some praises to God before you leave here today. Amen. Any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church. We'll be happy to pray for you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. God bless you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.